The Mexican Minister of Defence had very little to do today as he comfortably outpaced Max Verstappen to become the first double winner in Baku. I'm sure Tom Downey have something to say about that. Welcome back to the Grid Talk podcast. This is episode 277 and today we'll be reviewing the Azerbaijan Grand Prix in Baku. I'm your host Tom Horrocks and today I am joined by sports journalist Aaron Harper. Hello. Paddock Pals podcast host Warren Shaw. Hello. And Grid Talk stalwart, the aforementioned Tom Downey. Hello. Also joining us this weekend on this on this weekend show is our sponsor, Bet Online. BetOnline.ag is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, including the latest player reports for this year's pro basketball playoffs. BetOnline is always your sports information headquarters this season, as we have you covered for all of the sports wagering needs. Basketball, MLB, NHL, hockey, right to UFC and boxing. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favourite casino and card games you can play right from your home. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure, be sure to use our promo code Believe B L E A V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. So uh, we just had a, um, a 2016-esque Azerbaijan Grand Prix in Baku. I'm going to start to go straight to you first, Aaron, with uh, just your thoughts on the uh, the end of the race, the, the pit lane madness, the mechanics climbing the fence, the park fermo barriers out, photographers all over the pit line, pit, pit line, pit, pit lane even. Uh, just kind of peak F1, really. And I believe you've got a, a previous incident you'd like to mention as well. Why? It's just a bit embarrassing that this is happening. That they they are so they seem to be so keen to regulate every single aspect of the sport. And I, I get the the whole mechanics going on the the uh, the fence thing. It could be a safety issue, um, but obviously we we know that the mechanics always run across the pit lane. They've done it for years and years and years, decades, and they work in the pit lane. They know the risks and the dangers, so they're smart enough to look before they cross you know as you're taught as a child look before you cross the road but then these photographers have got into the pit lane i'm assuming they're trying to get into position to take a picture of perez as he wins the race um but for them to be in the way as ocon comes into the pit lane is utterly embarrassing these these photographers are working there they shouldn't be allowed to put themselves in that position and that needs to be from F1 itself. They need to have people positioned maybe in a certain place to get the pictures because you can't have people running across essentially a live racetrack, part of the pit lane. And I think it was Tom Bellingham from P1 who put out a screenshot of last year's Australian Grand Prix where Alex Albon pitted on the final lap and there was people in the pit lane. And clearly Formula One has not learned its lesson and this is reminiscent of scenes in the late 80s and the early 90s where they came bombing in. Senna, Mansell, Prost, those guys had come bombing in, no speed limit on the in the pit lane. And it's ironic, don't you think, that we're having an incident like this on the anniversary of the weekend, the Black Weekend in Imola. So today is 29 years since we lost Roland Ratzenberger. Tomorrow will be 29 years since the death of Etten Senna. And it was after that race that they started putting in the pit lane speed limit. Now we've had a pit lane incident with photographers. Yes, we need to regulate these things properly, and we sometimes feel that they are over-regulated, but people's safety 
and these people's safety needs to be really highly worked on and be essentially made sure of. The mechanics, they know what they're doing. They've been there for years and years, as I said. And th- this is just, it's just not good enough to allow that to happen. No, absolutely. And um, and with just having a speed limit, you know, if, if there hadn't been a speed limit in place, that would have been a horrendous situation right there. Just, you know, photographers moving out the way, then other photographers who are behind those photographers who couldn't see the car coming in, despite the uh, pit lane alarm that goes off, they're then moving out the way of that photographer to get a better shot themselves and walking in the way of a car. It just the whole thing just was was uh, was scary to say the least. But we'll move on to something hopefully a bit more a bit more happy, but certainly not for the first thing we're going to talk about, which is Alfa Romeo. And we're going to go to you, Warren, for this one. I'm sorry in advance, but uh, Bottas early phase dropped way down to 18th. He made three stops, the last of the finishes. Joe retired. Uh, with potentially a car issue, but was fighting for a, a nasty stomach bug as well. So, um, can, is there anything positive you can tell us about Alfa Romeo's weekend? Uh, probably not. Other than I, I did bring Joe Guan Yu into my fantasy team this week, which seemed like that was a, quite a mistake, and I was uh, hoping that would be better. But I, they really, especially Botas, I think he's been like one of my most disappointing guys throughout the whole season so far. I know we're early on, but he really hasn't done. He hasn't really done anything, and I thought they would be better. Their car would be a little bit better, but they've just really been—they've been quite poor so far this season. I thought, so this is standard business for them, I'd say. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a bit of a disappointing weekend, really, all round for for Alfa Romeo and uh, everything involved there. But props to uh, to Joe for getting through the weekend. Anyway, yes. apparently he lost uh, lost three kilograms in weight over the weekend, which is uh, shocking. I wish I could lose three kilograms in weight over a weekend. But moving on to you, uh, to Tom Downey, then for for Alpine, everyone's favourite French team. Alpine, 14th for, for Gasly, 15th for Ocon. One driver kept stopping. The other didn't stop until the winner was approaching the flag. Huge upgrades for Alpine this weekend. But uh, how do you rate their performance based on their finishing positions? Um, I can't say my true thoughts because we'll get demonetized. But um, let's just say it was subpar, um, to say the least. I'm being very diplomatic. Um, Alpine, oh my God, man. What a bag of bolts. Um, you know, we, we saw all the issues that um that Dazley had in uh in, on Friday and you know when his engine blew up and then all the rest of it. Or, I can't even remember what day I think he blew up Friday and then crashed. No, no, crashed Friday, blew up Saturday, I think. Um, no, other way around. Um well it's fifty fifty when it, the, he was the, on the, fire on Friday, then he crashed yeah. on Saturday, and then he cracked did he crash again? He crashed on, on Friday and qualified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two totals on Friday and another one on Saturday. Yeah, well you know, maybe they should be sponsored by Sage because they that car's a blinking toaster. Um but you know, it's just a it's it's just it's just awful for um for for Alpine, you know. They show glimpses of having real pace. And how many times have we said about and you know the Alpine can Renault reliability? And once again, we've seen how it quite literally went poof up in smoke. And then it was just dead. That's gonna get clipped. Um, but it was um, you know, it was just it was just an awful weekend. And then you know, I get that they were trying to eke out a safe, you know, to, sorry, I get they were trying to eke out Ocon, you know, to because they thought a safety was car was gonna come or you know. But you know, it became apparent that that it wasn't. They should have pitted in with about two laps to go, 
because you know even taking the absolute fast that was the hot pit I think which Aaron has talked about and I've got my own views on it we ain't going to have time to go through that um, they should have pit stock on like two laps sooner because he was losing time hand over fist as was um, one of the house drivers should have just pitched him and said look it's not going to happen because even if we do get a red flag or whatever now or you know sorry you know if we do get a safety car it will finish behind the safety car so they, they should have just cut their losses because it, it nothing was going to you know nothing was going to happen you know, the drivers were leaving enough room at turn 15, and you know, fortunately, George Russell was too far away from, from Verstappen to cause any other incidents. Yeah, of course, there's never, ever been a, a red flag with two laps to go in Baku, so that, that was never going to happen. No, uh, mate. Yeah, no, no, absolutely not. No, I, I agree, though. The other thing as well is that if they're allegedly supposed to be trying to be pushing up and fighting Mercedes. Ocon could well have taken the fastest lap away from George Russell. There was a possibility there. They knew, everyone knew George Russell was going to go for that. So, um, so suboptimal, definitely the, uh, the the word that I would describe to use uh, to use their performance. But you never know. It could be an Aston Martin-style thing where Aston Martin brought a new package, was absolutely terrible for the first couple of rounds, and then you know went on a bit of a steamroll towards the end of the season. So the next team we are going to talk about, though, is Haas. So we'll, we'll come all the way back around to you, Aaron. Uh, 13th then, and 17th, strong start for Magnussen, making three places, but then kind of got stuck in that Ocon train. And, uh, and what do you make of the strategy to run effectively the, the whole race on, on the hards for Hulkenberg? Is that a stronger weekend for Magnussen as well? It, it's a weekend that I think an opportunity has got away for Haas because they, they had the issues with Magnussen on Friday, the electrical issues. And then Hulkenberg wasn't happy with his setup it was too aggressive on the rear tyres, so they made the change that they made on Magnussen's car. But it, it every step forward came with a step back as well, so they've just ended up kind of nowhere. And for Hulkenberg, the the, the hanging out on the hard tyre strategy was about the best they could do. Um, yeah, the, the 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 safety car timing came at the wrong time for his strategy and for Ocon's. If it happened later, they could have dived onto softs or onto mediums. So once they were once they had track position and then everyone was behind them and they were never going to be quick enough to pull away, it it became apparent that they just had to hang out as long as possible. And that's how we ended up in the situation with Ocon and then the photographers. And you know, we could have had two cars going in there. They could have been fighting for their own position. So you know it, it that that whole thing is is kind of interwoven. But for Haas it's yeah, it's just one of those weekends when you're a lower midfield team. If you try things and the, the pace was kind of there from time to time, you've got to take your chances. You've got to get everything perfect. Um, and James Vowles was saying on the grid uh, ahead of the race that you can do the best job possible, but you might still just need a little bit of fortune to fall your way. You need the top guys to fall out, to have a tangle. And that didn't happen today. So there was not really many points on offer um, outside of the top four teams, which is disappointing because this whole formula was designed to make everyone really close and competitive and give everybody a chance but actually looks even more exclusive now because today only McLaren and Alpha Tauri outside of the top four teams have scored points yeah I think this the way the way the track layout is on this one it's gonna really 
just string the field out, I think, you know, with the, showing the top speed advantages of everyone. It, it was thought that maybe Williams uh, might be good for this track as well, but as we've seen, that that didn't work. But uh, we'll come on to Williams next then, with over to you, Warren. And 12th and 16th on what was potentially a good weekend for... For, for Williams, but but with uh, with Sargent having a, a bit of an on-off weekend and and Albon stuck in that train behind uh, behind behind Ocon, um, not really a not really a great weekend today for for Williams. No, I th- I thought leading in that they'd have a chance to fight for maybe ninth or tenth with with that with that straight line speed that they have there. But I I think for Sargent today, him just getting through the race without uh, um, wrecking the car again was a big win going into. Literally like his home home race next week. He's from Fort Lauderdale where the race is. So I think for him to get back there, this was a a solid, I guess, race for him, even though the weekend wasn't wasn't his top. And then Albon, I think like like you said, sometimes you need some carnage at the top if you're one of these teams right now to get some points or take a off strategy, get lucky by a safety car, and they just they just didn't get that. So for him for 12th, I'd say that's pretty, pretty solid. Probably the, the best he could have done with um with with where he was at so i mean you could look at the positives for them this weekend i I would say it wasn't a horrible it wasn't a horrible horrible weekend for them well it's a horrible weekend for my bold prediction because i predicted sergeant p7 or better for the race so that's uh that's certainly shown me up so coming on to you then tom and you get the other alpha team with uh sonoda taking the final point but devries causing the the safety car how do you rate their performance this weekend i say tentatively um, well, the reason I think it's just an experience of the Baku circuit because those walls obviously you know, they are incredibly incredibly close. Um, it wasn't a great weekend for him, and I know today we're focusing more on today's apparent race, which is more like a blinking funeral procession. Um, yeah, um, the Vries unlucky, um, you know, just clipped the wall and you know. A lot of other drivers clipped walls this weekend, but just unfortunately they went in at just the wrong angle and it snapped his steering arm uh, or one of the control arms and it, it just broke his left steering and that was that. <laughs> Excuse me, that was always going to be a safety car, um, you know, given where it stopped. Yuki, um, I was, I thought it was him who had, who had gone off at the start and clipped the wall and I think that's a fair assumption, to be honest. Um, you know, you know g- given, given what he did yesterday. But, no, um, he actually managed to keep it out the walls mostly. Um, he didn't, sort of, he, he didn't try and spearfish anybody, and he actually brought brought the car home. I think P ten just ahead of um, Oscar Pay Street. So a good point for um, a good point for AlphaTauri because they need any points they can get at the minute because they'll be lucky to finish higher than ninth in the championship. Um, yeah, uh, just. You know, just a team that, you know, if you look at them, say, two years ago in 2021, now I know we've had a regulation change and driver changes, all the rest of it. They've gone so far backwards. You know, ever since the new regs came in last year, man, oh, man, have they fallen off. But that's a different conversation for a different day. Today, a good point from, from Yuki, you know, finally somewhat kept his nose clean. The Reese, just a bit of an experience. Yeah, and uh, slightly worryingly for De Vries, the only session he's managed to beat Sonoda in qualifying or race so far this year is the session where Sonoda biffed it into the barriers. So uh, certainly needs to pick himself up and, and go again because at the moment he's being absolutely destroyed by Sonoda, which uh, whether that's going to be the car um, you know, being 
underperforming or if the car's getting better or Sonoda getting better, we, we don't know. But uh, I'd love to see Gasly back in that car and see if it's Sonoda improving or just... Uh, or just the, the car getting better and DeVries being nowhere near. We just don't really know at the moment. But uh, but Sonoda certainly is going to be happy with, with his performance at least. So that's something one half of the garage is going to be fairly happy. So we're moving on then to, to McLaren then, Aaron. A ninth and an 11th, a couple of points for Norris. Piastri stuck again in that train just behind. Uh, Norris, uh, the, the unlucky person who had to stare at Hulkenberg's rear wing for the majority of the race. How are the new upgrades looking with the car that they were supposed to be starting the season with? Well, Lando reckoned it was only worth two tenths of a second, which, I mean, that's something, isn't it? And the car seemed to be a little bit better. It certainly looked better straight line speed wise. I think they, they've eliminated some of the drag, but still not all of it, of course. Um, solid P9, Lando Norris doing what he does best in a McLaren that's not a front running McLaren. He finishes best of the rest because... Yeah, Formula 1.5 has lost Aston Martin to the top division now, essentially. And McLaren are, are just sort of popping their heads up as top of the midfield again. Um, I mean, like I said before, with so few points now potentially being on offer to the midfield teams, it's these two points are like huge against Alpine and uh, Haas, who are going to be trying to top that midfield area, be fifth in the championship. So that's a very valuable pair of points for Lando and credit to Oscar Piastri because they've been telling us on Sky all weekend how ill he's been. But I mean, we, we've probably all heard it when Mark Webber was in uh, Fuji in 2007, 2007 even, uh, he was being sick in the car and that can't have been fun. And it's it's never fun being under the weather. And do you know what? The last thing I want to do is drive around the street at 200 miles an hour when I'm not very well. So fair play to Oscar Piastri for P11 on the grid and a pretty solid weekend all round. And if he'd had a couple of accidents and then it would come out, oh, yeah, he'd been properly under the weather, you know, losing fluid and everything. You could probably understand because that's quite a lot to deal with and the cars are quite physical to drive. So it's a difficult circuit, you know, narrow at various, various points. So for him to keep it out of the walls, finish the race, and be just outside the points, that is a top, top effort for absolutely no reward. <laughs> no, absolutely. But uh, like you say, very few points on offer there. And with, with those two points, that does move McLaren slightly further ahead of Alpine in the championship, which uh, with them not scoring and that, that kind of fifth place is realistically the best they can hope for. So race by race maximising uh, the, the aim of the game for the rest of the season, I think. Uh, so moving on then to the first of the the individual drivers we're going to talk about then, Warren, is George Russell, a good start, but then a poor restart, losing out to his teammate. How did you see his race overall then? No collisions this time round. Yeah, he was, he was, uh, he didn't get a uh, max explaining to him at the end of the race. So he's probably pretty happy with that. Um, but look, I, th I think this race probably goes with how his whole weekend went a little uh, up and down. On Friday, he had the poor qualifying, then had a nice recovery yesterday, and then kind of flip it around today. Had a great start, and then the restart, just like he got caught out there and just really couldn't get uh, anything going after that. I was kind of surprised, though, that he wasn't, he didn't catch Stroll, especially after Stroll hit the wall there uh, when he did that. I know I did, obviously, didn't seem like he didn't get any damage. But I thought he was going to be able to put in a better challenge on that. It really didn't seem like he he had a great run at him there. Or he never got close enough. So I was kind of surprised 
um, on that. But I would I would say just kind of like his weekend was an up and down uh, race for an up and down weekend for him. And he's probably, I would say, disappointed with eighth place. Yeah, I think so, especially, you know, getting the, the luck with the safety car, which I'm sure we'll come on to later on, jumping a few places and then kind of restoring back down to roughly where he, not quite where he started, still gained a couple of places. But uh, yeah, it's going to be disappointed to be certainly beaten by Hamilton again. And uh, moving on then to, uh, to Lance Stroll then, Tom Downey, we've got uh, another strong start, gaining a few places, really is getting a reputation for, for strong starts, but really a race of two halves for him with a scrappy second half. Yeah, um, it's sort of a bit of a weird one today. You know, he was he was doing well, did, did well at the restart. Got caught napping by um, by Russell uh, at the pits. Um, you know, thankfully there are some Martin pit boxes for the dance. There weren't any, you know, the, nothing to sort of really go wrong in, in that sense. Um, did uh, did Russell, uh, but on on safety car restart more or less. Um, but then. He clipped the wall. I think it was turn 15, but a lot of drivers seem to this weekend. And he just seems to be losing a bit of pace then. So, um, you know, so I don't know if there was slight damage to the rim of his right rear or something, but he was, you know, he was a bit of a sitting duck between the between the two Mercs. Ultimately, Russell didn't get past him. Um, and then he, he sort of just fell away from, from the pack a bit. So not I'd, I'd probably say not the race we were expecting from him. Given the pace of his teammate, who you know, granted, yes, yeah, some of the moves I wanted to put in were outstanding. Um, but it was yeah, it, it, it was it was it was a race of two halves of, of from Stroll. It was better though. Um, he does seem to be getting a bit more consistency. Um, okay, yeah, he got caught out at, at the exit of turn 16 or you know, whatever turn 17 is before he get onto the back straight, um, where he washed a bit wide, which is when I think and the Mercs went past him. But, uh, you know, you know, on, on a street circuit that, that close to the sea, you are going to get shifts in the wind and that's what happened by the sound of it. So, you know, it, it happens. It, it, it's caught many a driver right in the, in the past. Um, there are a lot of positives you can take and he does seem to be getting a bit more consistent, which is good. Yeah, absolutely. We've uh, I, I've long been a a, uh, a champion of Lance Stroll being a perfectly good Formula One driver. Just nothing particularly spectacular, and nowhere near the hype of what uh, certain people want to narrate him as being towards. But uh, but decent. But I'd say just a couple of mistakes there. It kind of just shows the difference between him and his teammate. Realistically, that's kind of feel that feels right to be honest. That that gap that feels kind of about where they are. So uh, yeah, I think a de- decent performance from Stroll there from kind of what the baseline that he's going from but moving on then to to lewis hamilton then aaron uh he was 13th after the um the safety car coming out at precisely the wrong time but a good recovery to sixth was that the best he could have hoped for after the uh, the bad luck of the safety car yeah after the bad luck of the safety car that's probably the best he could have done but he did a really good job on the on the restart too uh, he was p10 i think because a few people ahead had pitted behind the safety car so he got a couple of those positions back but he passed Hulkenberg and Ocon on the restart lap. And then he put a really good move on George Russell. And that was actually a very interesting moment because that was the first time we've seen the Mercedes drivers go wheel to wheel. It was a little bit uh, breath, uh, to take a breath moment as a Mercedes fan because it was aggressive from George and Lewis had to be brave enough to put it down the inside. And we've seen that move 
go wrong. Just ask Christian Horner how badly wrong that can go. But they they gave each other space, and in the end, he, he showed that he did have the edge over George this weekend. And try as he might, he couldn't catch Carlos Sainz, even though he had DRS. And the the reduction of the drag reduction system zone to uh, by 100 metres really hurt everyone that wasn't in a Red Bull because they just didn't have enough to get past the car ahead. There was so many... I think I counted there'd only been like two on-track overtakes after the safety car restart lap. Um, and there were, basically the order didn't change from about lap 13 to about lap 41 or something. It was bizarre, absolutely bizarre. Um, and yet you had Hamilton inside a second of Sainz. You had Alonso inside a second of Leclerc. You had Russell inside a second of Stroll. So they went, once they got to where their natural pace was, they were never able to improve. So six was the best that Lewis could do because the Mercedes still doesn't have that top end speed. I mean, even between the pair of them, there was about six Ks with the DRS open. So yeah, not Mercedes best weekend. And really, I'm not surprised that Lewis wasn't as strong this weekend because I don't consider Baku one of his strongest circuits. He's he's only got... I say he's only got one win around here because he's got so many others in so many different places. But things just don't tend to work out for him in Baku. You mentioned the 2016 race at the start. And in that race, that was the year that they weren't allowed, the engineers weren't allowed to tell the drivers how to fix problems on the steering wheel. So he was sitting in the steering uh, in the in the cockpit trying to figure something out uh without being told it because it would have contravened the rules. So it's a place where weird things happen to Lewis. Yeah, I think it, rather than being a bogey circuit for him, like you say, I think it's just one of those those weird ones. And you, you look at in another world, he's got he wins in twenty sixteen, um, and then he's got the um, he's got the brake magic issue, and then he's got the issue with his headrest when he was when he had Vettel as well. And in another world, he's won this race four times, and we don't we don't even talk about it. But it's definitely the facts are he has only won here once, and given that he's won in so many other circuits so many times, that's uh, that does seem to be a bit of a bogey circuit, and just not able to quite get ahead of Carlos Sainz and you saw even when he when he pulled out to pass Lance Stroll with a massive overspeed just as soon as he pulled alongside him it was like someone just pulled the handbrake on that Mercedes and it really did take a last last minute dive to make get that move done so just shows how much they are suffering in a straight line but Carlos Sainz so in fifth place so was able to hold off the threat from Hamilton but seems to be a step behind Leclerc all weekend where does he go from here Sainz is it kind of just a support role now or is it does he just need to pick himself up and and uh, and, and go racing and try and try and improve can it be a little bit of both? Can it kind of be what he did last year? Wouldn't you say he was kind of in a support role last year and then he got lucky when the teammate, when when the team threw Leclerc a horrible strategy in Silverstone and that's how he got his win when it really shouldn't have been his win? Um, I mean, really, other than uh, holding off Hamilton, what did he do today? Like, he was basically irrelevant, which is hard to say when someone's in fifth, but that's just what it was. And even the whole weekend, you're kind of looking around like, oh, look at all this pace Charles has. He's back. He's quote unquote, he's back to what he was a little bit. Um, and then you look for signs on there and he's he's just getting getting dusted by him. So I would say this was like back to what it was last year um for him. But I to me, he is he is like the epitome. He's he's a great second driver. I don't think he'll ever be a number one. Like what his role is is fine. He might make a win here or there, but 
if he's he's probably never going to be your second driver that wins you a championship. And if that's what Ferrari's going for, they're probably going to have to look somewhat somewhere else. I know that might be harsh, but it just kind of it kind of seems what uh, what he is as a driver is a good a good driver that's probably getting you fourth to seventh, and he might squeak a podium if things go his way on the weekend. And that's kind of what we that's what we saw this weekend. Warren, we saw Ollie Behrman win both the F2 races this weekend. He's a Ferrari Driver Academy member. What about him? I'm going to be honest. I didn't get the. I I don't really keep up with F2 as much as I'd like to, so I don't I don't know that I don't know that you're. I'm I'm just not I don't I don't know that much about him, but so I'm not going to talk and talk like I know like I know <laughs> that much about him. But look, I well where does where does signs go? He's 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 going to get. Are they going to drop? I don't know. Look, he. He to me is just he's he is like I said he's just an average and a good a good driver but he's just he's he's just he leaves a lot to be desired. There's a lot you you, you get left wanting more from him and I feel like I I'm that every week with signs. He's everyone's uh, third favorite driver, unless you're Spanish, in which case he's your second favorite driver, I think, <laughs> which is a real shame because he is actually my third favorite driver as well. I really wanted to do well, but just just a step behind and yeah. And Good point, as you say, Aaron, about Oli Behrman. I, uh, I, I watched the. Uh, he's been my my driver. I always pick a driver to follow. At F three, he was my driver. I was gunning for the championship, and him uh, going for the championship this year in, in F two as well. Throwing himself into the championship fight now. Yeah, it's definitely a good shout for a potential Ferrari driver in the future. But the 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 issue for me is with with Alfa Romeo going away from the Ferrari connections and Haas clearly not wanting to take a, a junior driver. Where do they place these drivers now? There's not really an obvious place for a Ferrari young driver to come into Formula One but uh, we'll, we'll see how that develops and uh, good luck to Oli Behrman because he's uh, he's uh, looks like a bright talent for the future moving on to you then Tom we've got uh, Fernando Alonso everyone's favorite Spaniards uh, cheeky little pass on Carlos Sainz potentially the uh, the moment of the race what's your thoughts on on Al- Alonso's race um yeah the, it's just a boring day isn't it um, you know that 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 movie put in on signs is squeezing. I think it was turn six. Fair play, he, you know you got to give signs credit for you know, giving him just enough room. And, you know, you know, keeping it clean. That could have easily ended up with the the Ferrari and the barriers, and not the iron stupid one. Um, but yeah, he, you, know, you know, Alonso he he got up to fourth. I thought well, maybe he's going to get in with a shout of you know, yes, another podium this season, but. He couldn't couldn't catch Leclerc. Um, in turn, couldn't catch Ferrari. So we sort of just drove round him fourth for a while. He was never really under threat from from the from the Mercs behind him. Um, I was more impressed. He was managed to do some driver coaching while he was racing. Um, you know, telling Saw to copy his brake balance, and the Saw probably went wide at turn sixteen. So yeah, you know, definitely not sabotage, eh, mate. Um, yeah, no, no, that's that's the one where when I talk about Stroll, I said the gust of wind caught him out. Um, that, yeah, you know, that, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Alonso sort of had a bit of a, almost a bit of a lonely race. You know, he, he was, he was getting his elbows out right at the start, as you always do in, in an F1 race. Um, but then shortly after that, it was just like, you know, he, he, he settled into P4. Got a bit lucky with a safety car, as most of the top drivers did. The only one who didn't was Max. Um, because then pitted, made a stop. I think Aston double, uh, double stacked under the safety car. Um, there's just enough room to do it, and then he just, you know, he, he mugged signs to turn six, and then checked out. Probably thinking about, you know, like what 
Baku kebab he's going out for dinner or something. <laughs> yeah, it's um, yeah, very, 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 so very lonely race there, but still impressive to to make that pass on science and maybe a bit of a bit of a slight on science to then say, well, why didn't science come back at him? Because clearly he had a, he had a quicker package, and uh, but no, Alonso. Uh, he was just so well, just so kind of composed the entire race. He was looking at other people's tyres. Yeah, we'll definitely get him later on. Uh, just uh, just seems to get better every week, to be honest. And then Charles Leclerc, then uh, third place, and his first podium, Ferrari's first podium of the season, Aaron. And uh, P3, probably the best he could have hoped for without some kind of carnage or, or safety car changing things around, realistically. Yeah, well, Charles Leclerc had a, a terrific weekend in terms of his pace. But for Ferrari to be saying that P3 was the best they could do, and that is their first podium appearance of the year after four races, just shows you, first of all, how dominant Red Bull are. And second of all, just what a job Ferrari aren't doing. Because it's been well documented. We've spoken about it. We all talk about it to each other. Ferrari must do a better job. But Charles is their, he's their ace. He's just got that. X factor over a single lap. And he, he got the opportunity to show it twice this weekend, pole position for the Grand Prix and fastest in their first ever sprint shootout. So it was a terrific job. And I think we'd have all been fully expecting Red Bull on pole position with the strength of their DRS and just the way that that car seems to move down the straights. But Charles just has a way around this circuit. He should have been on pole in 2019. So really, he should have, he should have four consecutive poles, but we had the the classic "I am stupid" moment. We had a a, a B spec version of that uh, this year, but he was already on pole position, luckily for him. So it's just a shame that he was given no way to fight by this this Ferrari car because the car is too tough on its tires, so they had to manage. And by that point. The Red Bulls were were out of sight essentially because he wasn't going to catch them in a straight fight. He needed a safety car. He needed something to go his way to get anything more than third. But this is this is what wins championships, isn't it? And I know Charles isn't in a championship fight, but it's taking a hundred percent of what's available to you that drivers have to learn as they go through Formula One. And we've seen Lewis Hamilton do that. Fernando Alonso did it when he was competing for championships. So for Charles to be mature enough to, to take that that approach and say, yep, this is all I can do. Let's do the best I can. Then, you know, well done to him. He's just finished 20 seconds off the lead, though. That That's pretty galling, isn't it? So at least he's quick on one lap. Yeah, it definitely uh, looks like one of the fastest ever drivers around one lap in uh, in Formula One history there. But that that Ferrari, one hundred and eighteen points off Red Bull after four races. Just let that sink in. One hundred and eighteen points when there's twenty five points for a win. We've had four races now. One hundred and eighteen points off Red Bull. That's that's uh, just an insane race distance there. Red Bull very much having everything to themselves then today. Warren with uh, Verstappen taking the lead as early as lap four, like the second earliest opportunity he could have done but then really his countrymen ruining his race for him yeah well that and the safety car the safety car he didn't he he got uh he got unlucky he was already boxing when they when they um brought up the safety car but yeah i was kind of surprised that max wasn't going to be uh up there a little closer to checo checo just had some nice consistent pace i think max probably was managing a little bit uh 
managing the tires a little bit more, but yeah, he, he, he just didn't have it for Checo today and good, good for Checo. He's, he's the first guy to repeat in, uh, in, in Baku, but Max, I interesting weekend for him though. Right. Obviously he was mad yesterday with the, uh, with the George Russell incident there and he had, he got third and he's just, look, he's probably he's still the clear cut favorite for the championship, but at least with this, we're looking for some drama and at least that, um, he, he let Sergio win today. I, I don't know. That's probably being facetious, but at least he's like trying to think, Oh, maybe Checo's in, in the mix there. But um, like, I think with his luck this weekend, this was probably the best that it was going to be there. Also one thing I see on uh, from uh, Charles, if I could say a stat, uh, this is from Sean Kelly. He said that Leclerc has failed to convert uh, his last eight pole positions into the win, um, which is pretty, pretty remarkable there. So um Look, bet online, go there, and uh, when Charles gets pulled, do not bet him to win the race on uh, Sunday. So, so that could do something for you. But for Max, look, I think this is this is a weekend that he will just be like sh- shrug his shoulders and let uh, and off to Miami he goes. Yeah, and when Max Verstappen has got more wins from a from a Leclerc pole than Leclerc has got wins from a Leclerc pole, that shows you the the race pace of that Red Bull over the last couple of seasons has just been just been in, insane and we move on to you then tom for the the eventual race winner sergio perez uh fought his way from all the way back in third place blasted past that ferrari and then obviously the uh the the safety car promoting him to the lead looking back now was it actually a bit of a disappointment for the race that the safety car came out when it did because it looked like he had the pace and with a drs advantage behind verstappen would that have been a box office race or was it as uh, warren says did Verstappen just let Perez win? Um, no, I think Sergio was closing in on, on Max. And I think this is the first time in many races that Max has just been outdriven and outraced by his teammate, Nico Machinery, Kovtika Rosberg. Um, you know, it's just, um, you know, yes, Max slightly got the upper hand in quality, but quality has never been one of Perez's utmost strengths. But we saw how he won the sprints, and then you know that that was basically a sign of what was to come today. He got a little bit lucky with it. Well, got very lucky with the safety car, um, you know. But also, Red Bull couldn't um, couldn't two uh, two stack or double stack um, both cars because they, they were too close. Because Perez was Perez was so close to Max anyway. I think if the safety car, yellow flags, or whatever, wouldn't come out, I think we'd have had some real good DRS battles. Um, you know, down into turn one, then maybe you know uh, coming out of turn two on, on the run up to turn three, um, we could have seen a bit of a better race. I honestly think Perez would have got Max anyway. You know, they call him King of the Streets. He does really well on street circuits. I don't know what it is about it, but um, but but especially in the slower corners. Um, uh, Sky put up a graphic showing of where Max was fast and where Perez was fast, and it's in the slower corners. It's all through the castle section. On the wind down to turn fifteen, it was from about turn fourteen that last time kink um, that Max was in quicker. But then even going through the last weekly bit, Paris is quicker. So um, I just think he had the outright pace today, and it's really good to see. I think it's good for the championship fight. Is um, I do wonder if had the drivers got closer, we'd have seen team orders come in. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, Nobody wants to see that, but I think Red Bull would probably say that mainly to make sure that they have both cars coming home as opposed to wipe each other out. And they 
probably getting flashbacks to 2018. Um, you know, you know, sort of, you know, got it in the back of their mind that you know, it can go wrong. Um, but yeah, Perez dominant today. I wouldn't say he was untouchable, but you know, he nailed the safety car restart. You know, he was he was wiggling about, and he didn't want to give. Um, Leclerc, who was behind him at the time, to too too much of a toe into turn one. He nailed the restart. Um and yeah, just just a fantastic day for him. Yeah, solid performance. Just six points behind Max Verstappen in the championship now. And uh, I do, however, think that potentially most of Perez's ace cards have been played. I don't think there's many more tracks this season apart from potentially Monaco where he he could really realistically uh, come back and, and beat Max Verstappen on genuine pace but hopefully I'm wrong and that we do have a season-long tussle with these two Red Bull drivers but we'll move on to driver of the day then I'll come to you first Aaron then who was your driver of the day today? Uh, Sergio Perez it's an easy one he won the race he nailed the restart I wanted to just make a point on that restart the way he actually conducted that rolling restart given the toe and We've seen drivers back the pack really aggressively. You think back to Mugello in 2020, where the, the, the midfield were crashing before Bottas even went. Checo kept a very nice speed and was weaving and warming up his tyres and then went still quite late, but it, it kept the pack sort of strung out nicely, which which really worked. I thought he did a really good job there. Um, but yeah, he was the right man, the fastest man, won today's Grand Prix and he won it on pure merit he was closing in on Verstappen before the safety car he gapped him after it flawless drive absolutely excellent it's hard to find any fault really Warren you're uh do, do you agree or have you got a different driver in mind no I think he's got to be it and I was being a little facetious when I said he let uh Checo win I just I, I would just like to say that um but no, he was he was great. He 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 was better. He was on the pace again, like you said about the restart. He was great on the restart there. Um, but yeah, he is he really is the street circuit. He's you know what I was thinking. He is what we would like Carlos Sainz to be as a second driver. That's what I was thinking. Like actually win races on some merit there. Um, not to go back at a dig at, at Sainz, but like he really is what what you would want there. So good good on a checkup for driver of the day. You know, my personal opinion, one summer does not a swallow make, and I still would rather have Carlos Sainz and Sergio Perez, but that's my own personal opinion and not necessarily those supported by Grid Talk. Tom, uh, any advance on Sergio Perez for driver of the day? Uh, no, clean sweep. Um, yeah, you know, one of his best wins. One of his best drives, I'd say. Fantastic. Well, a five-star performance from Sergio Perez all round then. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, we'd love it if you could give us a five-star rating on Spotify uh, and on Apple Podcasts as well. If you're one of those listeners that's not subscribed to the channel, why not like and subscribe to ensure you never miss a show again? Don't forget to click the bell. We've got over 2,000 subscribers now, so thank you for all your support on YouTube. And please consider sharing us with with a friend if you like what we do. So before we go, I'd like to just go around to everyone to, uh, to give a plug for the work that you do. Aaron, where can people follow your work? Uh, so you can find me uh, AHGP on YouTube and on most podcast platforms. So I do a variety of uh, videos, uh, shorts. I did a couple of uh, shorts about the sprint format this weekend. Did a video uh, last week about IndyCar and how it's actually better than Formula One. Uh, so thank God there's an IndyCar race tonight. Roman Grosjean goes from pole position. Come on, Roman. 
You can do it. Spoiler um, alert. Come on. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Tom. That's fine. Um, You've had 24 hours. <laughs> I know. I know. I, I, it, that's completely on me. Uh, Warren, uh, where can people go to hear more from you? Oh, we're the Paddock Pals podcast. You can follow us on Instagram, uh, Twitter, and, and all wherever you get your uh, podcast at my cousin and I, Rachel, do it. Last week, we actually did with Charles releasing his song. We did uh, what would be the perfect F1 band, if you're interested in that. You go check that out, and we do recaps and uh, previews every uh, for, for every race out there. So Yuki Sonoda is the drummer, by the way, if anybody was interested who was playing the drums. Um, so so it's we have a good time. I'd love to see that. I can just imagine him going crazy on those drums. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom, what about you? Where can people hear more from you? I'd love to see you reach around an entire drum kit first. Um, I'm part of, uh, obviously, uh, part of Good Talk, like you mentioned. So I co-host this delightful show alongside your handsome self. Um, I also uh, co-host the, sometimes depending if I'm working or real, um, the, the junior come other motorsport series that, that I do with Sophia, which is called Formula Talk, which is available everywhere from Frank Grid Talk. It's under the same um it's under the same show. So you can uh wherever you find Grid Talk you'll find Formula Talk as well. Yes, another reason to subscribe to Grid Talk then to capture that, along with uh, all our fireside shows and our race shows, which do all go out live on YouTube straight after the event, and our audio version does go up slightly later, which is available on Amazon Fire, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal, and Pocket Casts. We do also run a a Patreon if you uh, if you want to help us continue to do what we do please consider donating to us everything goes back into the show to help improve your experience we will be back in a few days for the uh for the preview of the miami grand prix next weekend so for now goodbye everyone